your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to a Tuesday morning episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade. Excited to be bringing you another show of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast today. And today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. And on today's show, we're going to be breaking down what to expect from a postseason perspective for some of our Iowa Hawkeye football players. Um, we've had some midseason awards come out, so I'm going to be breaking down which guys are probably going to be getting first team, second team, third team, all Big Ten, maybe some All-American honors, maybe some Player of the Year honors. We're going to be talking about that on the first part of the show today. And then the back two segments of the show, we're talking all about offensive line play. How bad is this year's offensive line compared to previous years? And can they improve it? And how do they improve it? Those are all the questions we're going to be answering on the show today, so stay tuned for that. And I also want to thank you all for making the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day. You can find the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast for free wherever you get podcasts at and also on YouTube by searching Locked On Hawkeyes. So let's get into it, though. Let's kick it off talking about some of these Iowa football players who have been doing so well. It is interesting. When Iowa goes out to a 6-1 and one start, um, you would be surprised at how many weaknesses there are at certain parts of the team. But also when you look at the number of guys who could claim individual awards this year, it's astonishing. It's actually going to be a very fun year with postseason awards. And you have to start with Tyler Linderbaum. Out of all the guys here, it has to be Tyler Linderbaum as the number one guy who's going to get some accolades in this season, likely going to win the Remington Pace Offensive Line of the Year Award. He will be first team all Big Ten, and he most likely will be an All-American as well. He's already been named to several media outlets first team All-American team um, for the midseason, and I expect that to continue to go on. And he has been the most consistent and the best offensive lineman that Iowa has had, not just this year, but the last couple of years as well, uh, since basically Tristan Wirfs left the program. So Tyler Linderbaum, obviously going to get that the All-American honor. Could other guys step into that realm? Uh, I think there's a couple. You have Riley Moss. You have Matt Hankins. And I think you have to obviously include Tory Taylor. Now, Tory Taylor, start with him first. Tory Taylor's Punting statistics are not as gaudy as some of the other punters out there. But when you look at what he's been able to do and how he's actually been able to truly flip the field and change the way a game is played, when you have opposing teams that lose to Iowa saying, we lost because of the punter, or the punter is the all-star of the game today, I mean, that was legitimately what Iowa State fans were saying. Now, if Penn State could have gotten their head out of their butts, and stop talking about Sean Clifford, they also would have said, wow, Torrey Taylor, a phenomenal punter because he kept backing us up into our, you know, into the within the 10 yards of our end zone. That's the kind of impact Torrey Taylor can have, and I think he'll be first-team All-American. I think he should be the Ray Guy Award winner as well this year. If not this year, he will win it at some point in his career. Now, going on to the defensive backs, Matt Hankins, Riley Moss have played superb this year. What's going to hurt Matt Hankins is his performance against David Bell. He got absolutely torched against David Bell. Now, to be fair, a lot of guys don't have a very good showing against David Bell, but I expect Matt Hankins 
to potentially get All-American status, but definitely first team or second team All-Big Ten Conference cornerback. Riley Mosto is a guy to watch out for because he did not play against David Bell. And I don't know if it would have been any different or not, but it kind of helps him out in the grand scheme of things. The rest of the wide receivers that Iowa is going up against, there is no one on that wide receiver list that scares the heck out of me. That I say Riley Moss can't keep up with this guy. He'll be fine. Chris Ottman Bell at Minnesota shouldn't be a problem. Nebraska doesn't have anyone that really scares me at the wide receiver position. Neither does Wisconsin. Neither does Northwestern. Neither does Illinois. So Riley Moss should, without a doubt, in my opinion, if he can continue to collect maybe one to two more interceptions and continue to play lockdown cornerback, he will be a first-team All-American, in my opinion, and likely winning Iowa's, I can't remember what number we're on at this point, fourth or fifth defensive back of the year award for the Big Ten. So really excited to see how that all plays out. Now, looking at some of the other guys, last year, Tyler Goodson, an all-Big Ten running back. I expect him to drop down a little bit. There's several really good running backs in this conference this year. And unfortunately, Tyler Goodson isn't putting up the statistics that you need to be a first-team all-Big Ten back. Now, what he's able to do when the ball is in his hands is impressive nonetheless. The fact that against Maryland is a great example where he has, he literally had to make his way to get a couple of yards several times you got to give him some credit there, but I think with how the running backs have been playing in the Big Ten, I think you look at Tyler Goodson and you say probably second team all Big Ten. Sam Laporta is an interesting one on the offensive side of the ball as well. Last year getting that second team all Big Ten. I think this year he's in the running for, for first team all Big Ten. A couple other guys to watch out for is Austin Allen of Nebraska, Peyton Henderson or Hendershot of Indiana, and also Payne Durham of Purdue. But Sam Laporta is the biggest playmaker on the Iowa Hawkeyes, the most consistent playmaker, I should say. He's Spencer Petrus's favorite target. Sam Laporta should finish the season either with the most catches or the second to most catches in the Big Ten from a tight end perspective. I think Sam Laporta will get the nod ultimately here. Now going back, we have to go back to the defensive side of the ball. This is really, really where most of the accolades are going to come down to. I think Iowa could literally land four guys on the All-Big Ten team in the secondary, potentially five. Kayvon Merriweather has been playing really well as well. Jack Kerner, last year's second team. I think he'll be third or second team this year. Dane Belton is a guy to watch out for as well. Um, when Iowa has to go to a 4-4-3 or has to go to a 4-3, Dane Belton is who takes over for Kayvon Merriweather. Kayvon Merriweather goes out because they need to have Dane Belton in the game. Dane Belton more, most likely will be second team All-Big Ten, in my opinion. At the linebacker spot, I don't think Seth Benson's going to get any accolades. I don't think Justin Jacobs is either. Justin Jacobs is rising up draft boards. I don't think that's going to change, though, how well he get or how many individual accolades he gets. Um, the playing time will be a factor there. Same with Seth Benson. However, Jack Campbell doesn't go off the field. And Jack Campbell actually even was recognized as an all midseason All-American by one news outlet as well, The Athletic. So to me, Jack Campbell, more than likely a first-team All-Big Ten linebacker. Uh, which says a lot for a former three-star recruit has been playing out of his mind this year. A big reason why this Iowa defense has been doing so well to this point. Zach Van Valkenburg doesn't have the sack numbers, but you can tell what he does really changes the impact of the game, changes the dynamic of the game. He has an impact that extends outside of the sack numbers. So Zach Van Valkenburg is a guy to watch out for. Lucas Van Ness is a guy to watch out for as well, potentially getting into the third or second team all Big Ten slots. And then finally, uh, Caleb Shudok and Charlie Jones and Tori Taylor. I think we could literally sweep it. First team all Big Ten, sweep it. Caleb Shudok just needs to get 
a few more field goals right now. Missing that that one field goal against Purdue, not exactly a great look. But outside of that, you have to appreciate what Caleb Shudok has done. Uh, maybe making one or two end of end of the game kicks could help him out there. He needs one of those big time moments, in my opinion. Right now, no kickers really separated themselves in the Big Ten. From a return man perspective, Charlie Jones will probably get third or second team because he hasn't done as much from a kick return perspective. But on punt returns, this guy is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, he's one of the best in the nation at punt returning. And obviously, if Torrey Taylor is going to win the Ray guy, he's probably going to get first team All-Big Ten as well. That's my predictions for the All-Big Ten awards. Let me know what your thoughts are as well. I'd love to hear that. Again, there's a lot of a lot of things can change over the next five weeks, but I think it's very safe to say that Iowa is going to have a lot of guys on those All-Big Ten teams, and most of their defense is going to be on those All-Big Ten teams as well, which is super exciting. Uh, I cannot wait to see those guys get those individual accolades, and hopefully Iowa can close up the season on a high note as well. Five Big Ten games remain before hopefully a Big Ten conference championship game where Iowa will be taking on more than likely Michigan, Michigan State, or Ohio State. So we're going to be talking about all that as we get closer to the end of the season. Coming up, we're going to be talking about this offensive line. That is the biggest concern on everyone's mind. And I want to tell you about whether or not this offensive line is as bad as we think and how does it stack up to other seasons as well. Remember that 2019 season where Iowa had a disastrous two games versus Michigan and Penn State? How does Iowa now compare to that? We're talking about all that in a couple minutes. I do want to tell you, though, about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy, and it is for all of you college football fanatics out there. I personally love this. I know that you will, too. Prize Picks is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. They offer more college football props than anyone in the world, and they offer all the star players of the Power Five, as well as mid-major players you might not have even heard of. And they offer any prop you can think of, from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown, which has been a good one if you've been going for any quarterback going against the Iowa Hawkeyes, except for Aiden O'Connell at Purdue. So lots of opportunity here. And all of our listeners get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 when you make your first deposit and use the promo code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. So how do you do it? Well, you pick two to five players and over or under on their projected numbers and they just go up against the projected numbers. You can mix some sports up. You can do football and basketball, and you can do all this within 60 seconds. So don't hesitate. Check out prizepigs.com and use the promo code locked on. That's L O C K E D O N, or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. And this episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have a computer. Why not save some time and put a little money in your pocket? I've done this before. I went to rockauto.com. I bought two engine air filters, saved me $50, and saved me at least 30 minutes not having to travel to the store, and it was delivered directly to my door. It's literally fantastic. If you have any auto part needs, you got to go to rockauto.com. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And I want to thank you all for making the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day. Again, you can find the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast wherever you get podcasts at for free, Monday through Friday. And you can also find the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast at YouTube by searching Locked On Hawkeyes. 
Go check it out. We just interviewed an Iowa commit in the class of 2022. Caden Crawford joined the show yesterday. So I highly recommend you check that out. A fantastic kid. Really excited to see how he performs in an Iowa Hawkeye uniform. And speaking of performance in an Iowa Hawkeye uniform, this offensive line has not been getting it done. So I took a look at previous years. And the first thing that came to my mind was how does this year stack up versus the year of 2019? And then I started going in a whole big rabbit hole. But let me break it down for you. If you remember 2019, Iowa starts off 4-0. They then lose to Michigan, and they lose to Penn State. They lost to Michigan 10-3. They lost to Michigan, or Penn State, excuse me, 17-12. And honestly, probably could have been worse than that, but Brandon Smith made a phenomenal catch in the end zone over a Penn State defender. But I wanted to look at that. How did that scenario play out? And also, very conveniently, that Penn State loss was followed up by a bye week for Iowa. So they had two weeks to kind of fix some things. And really, I'm trying to get an idea. Do we have hope for this Iowa offensive line? Because it has been absolutely horrendous, okay? Against Purdue, Iowa's pass blocking grade was 35.2. Terrible. I'm going to go into the numbers here in a second, but 35.2. That is absolutely atrocious. But let's take a look back in time, okay? So against Michigan, back in 2019, Iowa loses 10-3. to Iowa had 30 rushing attempts, only one rushing yard, and allowed eight sacks. That comes out to .03 rushing yards per attempt. Against Penn State the following week, they lose 17-12. to 30 rushing attempts, 70 yards, two sacks, a 2.3 yard per carry average. They get a bye week. They then finish off the season relatively strong. They go 4-1 and one the remainder of the season. They beat Northwestern 20 to nothing. They average 3 yards per carry, only one sack. They go up to Wisconsin. They lose. Not an easy loss. They probably could have won. Interesting two-point conversion there. But nevertheless, Iowa only allows one sack and has 3.8 yards per carry against a good Wisconsin defense. Against Minnesota the following week, a ranked undefeated Minnesota team. They beat them 23-19. They averaged 3.8 yards per carry and only allowed two sacks. And the following, the next two weeks against Illinois, they beat them 19-10. They averaged 2.5 yards per carry. It's not great, but better than previously. And against Nebraska, no sacks, mind you. And against Nebraska, they win 27-24, averaging 7.5 yards per carry and allowing no sacks. Why this is important is that Iowa arguably had their two worst performances these last two weeks from a blocking perspective. Against Penn State, a 34.9 pass blocking grade. Against Purdue, a 35.2 pass blocking grade. Very, very bad. That is significantly below average. Penn State brought the pressure. Purdue just used George Carl Aftis to absolutely annihilate the Iowa Hawkeyes. But how does it stack up? So clearly, Iowa did get better after the bye week. And when I look at that the line, there's a couple other things to know here. I've seen some other folks on, you know, on Twitter across the board talking about how these offensive lines are, you know, just not up to speed, how there's good players, not as good of players. So I took a look at that 2019 line and I look at it and you have Cole Banwert, who got a shot in the NFL at the Titans, Alaric Jackson, who's on the Rams. He was injured a little bit that season. Tristan Wirfs ends up being a first round draft pick. Tyler Linderbaum as a redshirt freshman. You have Levi and Landon Polson, and you have Kyler Schott, who was a sophomore at that point. 
it wasn't a great offensive line, but they were a young offensive line and they were gelling. And if you remember, they particularly had a lot of issues on the interior with Tyler, not Tyler specifically, but with Tyler, the Polson twins and Kyler shot. It was not a well-rounded group. They were not able to consistently protect Nate Stanley from pressure up the middle. Okay. Now you look at that 2019 season after the bye week they get a little better. There's some parallels to this 2021 team. Tyler Linderbaum is the Tristan Wirfs of this unit. Kyler Schott is the Alaric Jackson of this unit. Connor Colby, Mason Richmond, that's the Kyler Schott and the Tyler Linderbaum of this unit. Levi and Landon Polson, that's your Nick DeYoung or Cody Ant at this point. So there's some parallels to this. And with two weeks, you hope that Iowa can come back and get a little bit better from an offensive line and a pass protection standpoint. Now, outside of Wisconsin, they're not going to face as good of a pass rush as they have seen across the board. Wisconsin's going to bring some pressure, and they're going to do it from a variety of different ways. Going up against a team like Wisconsin with a 3-4 defense can be difficult for teams who don't have to go up against it a lot. So that will be interesting to watch. But nevertheless, we've seen improvement in the past. Now, I want to quickly point out a couple other things. When you look at some of the previous years, and I'll put this up on Twitter as well so you can see this graphic, but from 2014 to 2021, I broke down the sacks per game and the pressures per game. This year, Iowa's not that bad. All right? So 2014 to 2021, that is eight seasons. Iowa's pressures per game allowed in 2021 would be sixth or sorry fifth not great not terrible their sacks per game would also be six so they're on that back end of the spectrum as far as good but they're not the worst team we've seen in fact one of the worst teams we've seen from a pass blocking perspective is the 2015 team 11.5 pressures per game 1.92 sacks per game i will right now 9.86 pressures per game 1.43 sacks per game so there's some hope here i'm here to provide some hope now to be the pessimist that i have to i have to always play the devil's advocate here you look at some of the other numbers and you get a bit more concerned when i look at some of the analytics of where pass blocking was and where run blocking was in previous seasons i took the lowest scores from the previous seven seasons and here's what i had 2015 the lowest pass blocking grade was 46.3 the next lowest was 55 2016, the lowest pass blocking grade was 40.4 against Penn State. The second lowest was 50.9 against Wisconsin. 2017, the lowest was 33.9 against Boston College. The second lowest was Penn State at 43.3. And 2018, 45.2 against Penn State. Mississippi State was a 51.2. And 2019, the lowest was 36.6 against Penn State. There's a trend here. And Michigan, which was 53.4. Remind you, those were the two worst games Iowa had from a pass blocking perspective. And last year, the lowest pass blocking grade Iowa had was a 52.4. Now, why I'm a little bit concerned is when you look at the pass blocking grades for Iowa this year, they had five in their first seven games versus no more than two in any given year when they played 13 games. 32.8 against Indiana, 34.9 against Penn State, 35.2 against Purdue, 40.2 versus Iowa State, and 49.2 against Colorado State. So there's some concerns here, definitely. but. I tried giving you some optimism. I gave you some pessimism. And now we have to see how does Iowa show up against a Wisconsin team that does have an elite defense once again. Now coming up, we're going to be talking about what does Iowa do 
to combat some of these offensive line deficiencies. Yes, we hope they get better. We hope technique improves. We hope these younger guys are taking this opportunity to continue to grow. They can rest up. We can get a little bit healthier, and they can take a step forward. But what else can Iowa do to combat some of the offensive line deficiencies? We're going to be talking about that here in a few seconds. But I do want to tell you about sweat block because during the Iowa-Wisconsin game, I'm going to be sweating the entire time. It's going to be – I'm going to be a nervous wreck. I hate playing Wisconsin. They always seem to have the better of Iowa except for last year, which was truly phenomenal. Loved that. What a great ending to the season. But I'm going to need some sweat block antiperspirant wipes to keep my armpits dry when I'm wearing that gray Iowa Hawkeye shirt that I love to wear, my happy, lucky Iowa Hawkeye shirt. And antiperspirant wipes and sweat block are the way to go. I don't know about you, but I personally had to pick out shirts based off the color they were for my whole life because I was so scared of sweating out. I would get up in front of large crowds and give presentations and have to keep my armpits down because I was so worried about sweating and pitting out. No more do I have to do that anymore, though, because I have sweat block antiperspirant wipes. It stops excessive sweat for up to seven days per use. It's doctor created and doctor recommended. Dry shirt guarantee. If sweat block doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. And it's not just for your armpits, chest, back, feet, hands. Use it anywhere. And I mean absolutely anywhere. I have actually personally used it on my armpits and my hands. No more clammy hands for me. It has been truly a godsend for me. So check out Sweatblock Antiperspirant Wipes. If you or someone you care about is dealing with excessive sweat, you have to check out Sweatblock today. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code Locked On or Amazon and CVS. All right, y'all, and before we took a break, I was telling you about where this offensive line stacks up to previous years and how good or bad they were compared to those previous years. We know what this offensive line has done, though, and they've gone up against several really good defensive lines. Iowa State has one of the best defensive lines in the nation. Colorado State was pressuring Iowa consistently all day, and they also run a 4-3 front. Penn State, always getting pressure on Iowa. And Purdue... Man, screw Purdue, but they had George Karlaftis just had a heyday versus the Hawks. So let's talk about some strategies to combat that going forward. Again, we hope the technique improves. We hope that the Iowa offensive lineman takes some strides in this bye week to get better. But we also need to put them in a better spot to improve and to not get put in situations like they did against George Karlaftis. So how do you improve that? Well, the first and the easiest thing to do is increase the numbers and protection. You have five offensive linemen. You can put another offensive lineman in there if you want, if you want to really focus on the run game. We haven't seen Iowa do that a lot, but I would expect, obviously, more two tight end formations. You have a Luke Lachey. You have a Sam Laporta. Allow them to be there. And not only that, having them in a specific alignment will also help Iowa as well. If you have them lined up outside of the tackle, it makes it a little bit harder for the defensive end to get to the quarterback because now the tight end either can block or they have to go out for a route. If they go out for a route, it does get in the way of that defensive end and it gives the tackle a little bit, a slightly little bit more time to get into better position against those defensive ends in the Big Ten. And again, very good defensive ends in the Big Ten. We saw this a little bit as well. Um, Tyler Goodson was staying into block. So was Monty Potterbaum against Purdue. And they both put up very good pass blocking numbers according to PFF. The problem with that, the problem with keeping a Tyler Goodson or Sam Laporta or Luke Lachey, heck, even Monty, into pass block is you now are reducing the number of guys that can go out for routes. You have to now win those one-on-one matchups with your two or three guys that are going out for routes. So how does Iowa combat that? 
because you need Tyler Goodson to be in space. You need Tyler Goodson to have the ball in his hands, and you need Sam Laporta, the safety valve for Spencer Petras, to be out there and running routes as well. Well, a couple things. You can do chip blocks. So what happens is you don't necessarily full-on block the guy, but you just hit him. You just tap him. You just get in his way a little bit. That's going to be more important for a Sam Laporta and a Luke Lachey, but Tyler Goodson can also do it as well. He can be back there, quickly hit a guy, and then bounce off for a quick dump off for Spencer Petras. Another strategy is having a mobile quarterback, but that is not exactly going to be doable with Spencer Petras, who is literally a tree back there. So when you see people say, I want Alex Padilla in the game, there is no good reason to want Alex Padilla in the game at this point unless it is purely from a scrambling standpoint. I still don't agree with it, but if you're arguing the fact that maybe Alex Padilla would do better because he can run, you're not wrong. That is an advantage of Alex Padilla, but I think at this point, what we've seen from Spencer Petras, I've been very impressed this year. Yes, he cannot move. He is a tree in the pocket, but I don't want to give up what he's built with those wide receivers and those tight ends and how he is commanding his offense, even when he's struggling, how he's commanding his offense to go to Alex Padilla. The final thing is the quick passing game. Iowa tries to do this. They just haven't been successful. It's slants, drags, tunnel screens, jet sweeps, all those type of things. Those are things you want to get you want to get plays out there to allow the ball to get out of the quarterback's hands quickly. Before this season, Spencer Petra said he needed to get the ball out within 2.5 seconds to be successful. There's two things that you need to not be pressured in those 2.5 seconds, and you need wide receivers to get open in those 2.5 seconds, and they are not getting open, which is why on yesterday's show, we talked a little bit about – actually, I believe it was on, on Sunday's show. We talked a little bit about why Iowa should maybe look at moving around some guys to the wide receiver position. Nico Regani primarily operates out of the slot. Maybe you put Tyrone Tracy in there. He has his lowest amount of snaps in the slot. This year than any other year he's played for the Iowa Hawkeyes. So maybe you move Tyrone there. You put Keegan on the outside. Keegan has proven to be a, a man beater at times. Give him some more reps. Give him some more opportunities. Maybe see what Arlen Bruce can do. I've been very impressed with Charlie Jones as well in beating man coverage. But run a couple quick things. Give him the ball at the you know within three to four yards of the line of scrimmage and see what they can do. So that'll be really interesting to see. How does Iowa get better from an offensive line perspective? And how does Brian Ferentz try to mask some of the offensive line deficiencies we have seen? That's a big question we're going to have to try to get an answer to as Iowa takes on Wisconsin. That, though, does do it for our show today. I want to remind you to check out the Locked On Big Ten podcast hosted by Nate Dickinson as he breaks down all the news and storylines across the Big Ten. You can find that wherever you get podcasts at and also on YouTube by searching Lockdown Big Ten. That does do it for our show today. We will be back tomorrow breaking down the press conferences from both coaches, which will be a lot of fun. Always hear a lot of good stuff from Kirk Ferentz. Really excited to hear from Wisconsin's coach, Paul Christ. So a lot of fun stuff we're going to be breaking down on tomorrow's show as well. Thank you all for tuning in. Have a fantastic Tuesday, and let's go Hawks.